0: Blog Talk Radio Let's get lost In a better
1: place Pick up a bird, Travel through time and space So much to learn So much to see
0: A chance to escape Reality Open your mind And your heart
1: Network bring you let's
0: about Good morning everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network. MJ in memory of my sister Marcia Joyce, And this is gonna be so much fun. The author of Cindy McDonald is here, the author of Murder, Max, Doubt. And wait till you meet Alexa Owl, and why do you meet her ghost that's driving her crazy? Or as we say, Mishiga poor thing. So welcome <laughs> back to MJ Network, and this is so much fun. I love this book. It was really cool. Oh, I'm glad. I needed to laugh. Yeah, she, yeah this, she's, she's great. Go ahead. So go she's ahead. She's, um,
1: she's interesting to write um, to write a cozy mystery with time travel weaved in is um, it's challenging it's very challenging yeah. because um, you know they go back to the 1950s and of course they don't have all of the technology and all mm-hmm. of the DNA uh, capabilities that we now have you know it's pretty much fingerprints and you know, just a few few things that they do have so uh you know it it and then going back and put forth between nineteen fifty and uh present day is um is uh, challenging for the characters as well,
0: yeah yeah, but so, you did such a, i enjoy writing. you did such a great job though that you didn't put me to sleep or make me say what what am I reading in i mean that's the point oh, I've I read how many books in the last week, what can I say and um <laughs> The truth of the matter is, is that some of them are in so many different time zones that I want to put myself in a different time zone when I read it. No, I'm serious. <laughs> I mean, well, I only different. want to
1: say in one year. You know, I, I don't want to go to a, you know, I mean, and every time we do a book, I think um, yes. Back to the Bird was 1953. Um, yeah. Maxed Out is 1958. And the next book, uh, which will it will be a, a, June, a, a spring release, uh, and that I think is going to be called, called Double Dog Dare. Um, oh, nice. That one will take place in 1962. So I just you know add a couple years, and uh, I, you know that's all I do. I don't I don't go crazy. So,
0: well, but, obviously the people that have read my book don't understand it. Oh well, what can I do? Um, it's, uh, Which book is the one
1: that
0: the, the one that the, you reviewed? Yeah, population book? zero. They don't quite population zero. They don't quite get that I made up the world and that it was in my head how that would look. And some two brilliant people said, well, "Why didn't you do research? Because it wouldn't be my imagination." I, I try to make worlds that could never exist. They didn't get it. Right. And there's a there's a review waiting for me to look at now. I'm going to look at it later so I don't get upset. Anyway. How did she meet Bobby? And what did he want her to do? This guy is, is so out of his mind, I love him. <laughs>
1: I love Bobby star too. Um yeah. Bobby, we meet Bobby in book one, Back to the Berg and Beyond, and Um, Alexa is just arriving in Pittsburgh she had lived in Columbus, Ohio for I think I said 18 years if I'm correct Yeah. and um, she's freshly divorced but she got a grand, grand uh, settlement and she's just arriving in Pittsburgh and she goes uh, into her new shop and she sees all this her beautiful shop and she goes upstairs to her apartment and this building is very, very old And it used to be the Lazy Hound Pub, which was an Irish Mm -hmm. pub back in the 1940s, 50s, and part of the 60s. And um, she meets, of course, Winnie. uh, Mm -hmm. I love Oh, I love Winnie, too. Everybody seems to love Winnie. And Winnie has an extreme Irish lilt. And um, she used to live in the apartments that were above the pub. Now, Alexa's apartment is this posh, posh, country french uh, apartment that's just been refurbished and it used to actually be three apartments back in the 50s are you there yes,
0: she's so amazing. I'm here. Yeah. okay
1: and has a full um, schedule, so-,
0: so why does bobby show up what does he want this time and why did he bring maxi oh god well, of course, he's an angel, and he's trying to get into
1: Saints' Guardian Angel Squad, and uh, he has to solve three murders he left unsolved when he died. And he dies in the 1960s, but we don't need to go there mm-hmm. yet. So he is the first time he comes back, and he had to solve the, myth, the death of his um, second wife, Cora Lee, and they were mm-hmm. successful. So he comes back a second time because he's got to solve another mystery, a murder, and he needs Alexa's help. And um, he brings along this perfectly awful woman named Maxie Krogan. And she's lovely. She's very attractive. And she's got this fantastic sense of of fashion, Uh, but she chugs Uh, martinis and smokes cigarettes like a a chimney and (laughs) she's obnoxious. She's very obnoxious and she's nothing but a hindrance in their investigation and you know Alexa just can't figure out why he has brought her along because she's done nothing but you know make things worse and she had mob connections and of course this book deals with the pittsburgh mob which actually did exist of course so um you know they've got to get through the mob to solve the murder of rod krogan who is Maxie's husband and she was accused and convicted of killing him but she was actually framed so they have to find out who actually killed rod krogan
0: so that's, After a while, that's this time. you want to, to kill Maxie.
1: Oh, you certainly do, don't you? You just want to kill Maxie. And then there's the little dog, Trixie, the ghost dog that comes along.
0: I love Trixie, and, too. Uh, so how come they include – why did you include Trixie? Trixie's cool, though.
1: Well, you know what? Uh, in the first book, of course, there was a cat named Garbo. Yeah. And that was Coralie's cat, and it comes, along, it came into, into the story as well. But she kept watch over the site where Coralie was killed, which was, of course, behind the bar. Um, and this dog serves a purpose as well. But if you notice, in all cozy mysteries, there are always animals. Cozy mystery readers love pets they just adore pets and so you know it's really not a cozy mystery if you don't include a pet so that is why every one of my cozy mysteries like like fiona quinn she's got harriet and um while i never make the cozy mysteries about the animal there's always one there
0: and they play i agree with you i just finished death on the shelf by um, Allison Brooke, A.K.A. Marilyn Levinson, and she has Smokey Joe, the cat, that takes up that's yeah. part of the plot sometimes too. Yeah, and my it's funny because my niece um, introduced me to her cat yesterday on Facetime. And uh-huh. Oh, he's so cute. He's, he's, I said, I, Danny, I didn't know you had a cat, and he he actually meowed and said hi. What could I say? So <laughs> they're fun. Now yeah, this, this this guy I really like. Tell us about Hank's Sandwich Shop. And why does Alexa wonder what happened to him?
1: Well, Hank's Sandwich Shop is not an actual um, place in Pittsburgh. Um, As you know, a lot of my books I will use real venues in the Pittsburgh area. You know, mainly in uh, Fiona Quinn, I use actual venues. And in this book, I I kind of plopped Hank's Sandwich Shop in there because, quite frankly, I needed it. And um, Hank's has been around since um, 1943, I believe. And um, there was the original owner. His name was Hank um, Peterson. That's what his name was, Hank Peterson, I believe. And one day in August, he just disappeared, never to be seen again. Um, And this has been like a a Pittsburgh mystery all these years. What happened to Hank, the original owner of Hank's sandwich shop? So uh, now now it is still called Hank's Sandwich Shop, but an Italian family runs it, and they are known for their meatball subs. And um, the man who uh, is running it now is Carlo Lombardi, and he is third generation who's running the shop. Mm. And when Alexa goes to the shop to buy some sandwiches, meatball subs for her boyfriend, Cliff Slater, Detective Cliff Slater, there's a big old dirty, filthy box in the, in the corner of the shop. And she asks Carlo, you know, what is in that big, filthy box? And he says he doesn't know. He said they found it down the basement and they had to clean the basement mm-hmm. out because they've decided to put a small restaurant downstairs and the basement still has its original dirt floor. And there's so, he says there's so much junk down there. We're trying to get it all out, but we found this box and we're intrigued. So we're going to open it up tonight after the shop closes and find out what's in it. And uh, so, of course, they find... Books in it that um, his his grandfather, um, Mr. Lombardi, wrote back in 1965. I believe I said in the book it was 1965. Of course, it's out of print. The publishing company who who published it is out of business, and there were over a thousand copies of this book, Meatballs and Mobsters, in in the in the box and this book gives Alexa a lot of clues as to what happened to uh, what happened with the mob back in the 1940s and 50s and uh, you know helps her to basically break this case wide open
0: now we go back to the past however she gets there Mm -hmm. which is really an experience and how do they proceed? And what happens when she sees her sister's house go up in flames? That is scary. Well,
1: when she um, she they go back to 1958, um, and they always end up at that Lazy Hound pub, which of course is in the building that she now houses, that she mm-hmm. now lives in, with her couturier shop, the Owl's Nest, and her apartment upstairs. But now she's in 1958, and it's not the Couturier shop. It's the Lazy Hound Pub. And, of course, she bumps into Winnie. And, um, and Winnie's just a little girl. And she sees everything as it was back then. And um, Maxie is very, very pushy about getting Rod, Rod's um, murderer um, uh, found because she wants to go back to living the life she was supposed to live and of course one of pete's big rules are you cannot change events so no neither bobby nor alexa can figure out how how she's going to have the life she was supposed to live whenever you're not supposed to um change events so anyway um While they're sitting in the pub discussing how they're going to proceed, all of these fire trucks and police cars go rushing down Penn Avenue. And Mm. uh, Maxie says, well, I've been very busy. And they realize that Vivian Sweet's house has been burned to the ground, and Vivian Sweet is Maxie's sister. And we find out that Maxie... Mm. uh, threatened her sister before the trial and, and this was the threat. If you, you know, I'm going to burn your house down if, if you know, if you, it, to stop you from uh, going against me during the trial. So that's what they find out about the burned down house.
0: Max has got guts. And of course, they... I like her, pardon me? I like her because she's got guts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway, so they uh, have to find out exactly how the house got burned down, and, and they go and visit friends of Vivian's, and Vivian has been misplaced because, you know, the Red Cross came in and put her in
0: a house in Coriopolis.
1: So, uh, okay, so, of course,
0: they go and visit her. I uh, know that was an go experience, ahead. too. So how does Maxie bring her back to the present?
1: Well, Maxie gets angry with what Maxie doesn't, or Maxie doesn't like Alexa to begin with because mm-hmm. she uh, is smart. And Maxie, it's not that she's not smart, but she's just not as smart, perhaps. perhaps. Maybe we should put it that way. And uh, so when they go to the meatball shop back in the 1950s, and there's, there's Mr. Lombardi and Alexa starts questioning him. He, she starts asking him what you would consider a ticklish question for Maxie, and she mm-hmm. gets mad, and she shoves Alexa, and she shoves her right back to the 21st century, which of course makes Bobby rather upset because she just got rid of his his help, his you know the person who does all the the main investigating in his cases for him, so uh, now he and Maxie have to proceed by themselves, at least for a little while.
0: She's really too much this one. So now we have Cliff. I like Cliff. Tell him he tell. He's in the past. What about his grandfather in the past?
1: Um, okay, so we have Cliff, Detective Cliff Slater, who is from the like 21st him. century. And he and, and and Alexa are a thing. And um, then uh, there is Detective Clifton Slater, who is back in the 50s and part of the 60s, uh, the 60s and part of the 70s. And he is like a big detective in Pittsburgh at that time. And that is his grandfather. And uh, he's the one who does all the investigatings on the opposite side of bobby and alexa so he's the detective the city detective where bobby is just a private investigator so he's kind of on the other side of that fence and he and bobby don't get along and as a matter of fact during this story we only really see clifton slater a few times and he tells Bobby to stay away from the investigation because it's over Bobby's head, and he doesn't want Bobby messing up the investigation. But of course, we know that that doesn't happen. So, but no uh, one's going to listen. Yeah, and then Cliff, no, no, no. And then Cliff, of course, is back in the the 21st century, and uh, I haven't really given him a big storyline yet. Yeah, you but, should, uh, because that's he's coming... really
0: cool. I like him.
1: Yeah. He's getting one in the next book, Double Dog Dare. He will have a big storyline in the next one.
0: And uh, I think you'll
1: be shocked at how I handled that third murder.
0: Oh, so, that's even better. Yeah. Murder, murder is good. Yeah. I mean, I, I read one yesterday. I won't say who the author is. And the book is really good. It's just that when you write something, and I'm not just saying it, it's not that the same character but another murder. It's, like, different. Some people write a murder and the same character, just another dead body. And go like, Why me? And it's not that yeah. the book is great. I it's try to make after a while I go like, Oh, help canal. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I try to make everything different each time and, and every time I come back, like a second book, a third book, a fourth book, That's I try to introduce the characters to the readers in a different way every yeah. time. I don't I don't every time you, you meet Alexa or Cliff or, or Winnie you meet them in a different way. Somebody's doing something, and, and yeah. that is how you are reintroduced to them. And, um, but I try to make it in such a way that if if I'm on the third book, but you haven't read book one and two, if I introduce them to you, you're not be, not going to be going, what? What is she talking about? So I try yeah. to make, even though each of the books are part of a series, I try to make sure that they're each a standalone story, if you will.
0: That's what makes so, it hard. Um, and I know.
1: It is hard to do. It really, really is hard to do. But I try, and I'm, I must be successful with it, because all the reviewers have said, you can read this book and not be lost. I highly recommend you read the other books, because, you know, you really, really get to know the characters. But you can read book three or book five, and skip around and not be lost. So at least I, I feel as though I'm being successful in that in that uh, a part of the whole thing.
0: I would, so. yeah, I'm would. i very blunt. I, you, I want to say that you, you, you've succeeded in that because there are so many books that Fran has read that sometimes I go like, why me? What did I do wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so Alexis alone, and she uses technology to help her find out who gave her the book, and what did she learn when she gets home? And what about information about the murder was online? Because she's not stupid. She's smart. That's why we love her. <laughs> well, first of all, she goes, first of all, these
1: murders have taken place back in the 50s, and there was no yeah. Internet back in the 50s. And finding information about things back in the 40s and 50s can be a little tricky unless they yeah. were really big events and um so she's she's fortunate enough there is such a um site called findagrave.com if you've ever uh-huh. if you've yep. ever gone there um yes, I did yeah, i've gone there too <laughs> yeah looking yes, for someone's grave maybe somebody in your family and yep. um oh i thought well if there's a findagrave.com maybe i don't know if there is or not but there's Findadeface You know, I don't know if there is or not. I didn't really actually look there is look something because... like that. There is something like that, right? And well, so they show you obits and um, possibly even newspaper articles on someone who has died before the internet, and perhaps mm-hmm. they just weren't important enough. But in the case of Maxie Krogan, her that murder trial was such a big deal in Pittsburgh that there's a lot of information on this, findadeath.com. And so she's able to get a lot of information on what happened during the trial and um, the obituary. And, and the first thing that strikes, Alexa, Alexa, is the fact that the obituary, which is, 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 I don't know about your family, but in my family, a family member writes the obit. Do, do you do You're that in your to family? Her. You're talking to her. Yes.
0: Right. How lucky can I so, get? Um, <laughs> I'm
1: really write like, good ones do. Yeah, I I'm I mean, I wrote the obit for my mother who passed away in October of Alzheimer's. You know that. And yeah. so I wrote that obituary and I thought, well, I'm sure this is probably something a lot of families do and I and I started really reading a lot of obituaries and I could see, yes, it is something families do. So anyway, so the obituary is the first thing that slaps Alexa in the face and it is very short. It is very curt. It is very mm-hmm.
0: cold.
1: And she's like, whoa, that is the coldest and shortest obituary I have ever read in my life. And, of course, Vivian wrote it. Her, her older sister, Vivian, is six years Maxie's senior. So um, then under the obit, there are articles about the Krogan murder, and she finds out that he was shot two times in the chest and that um, Maxie and Rod were, had a very volatile relationship, and she was found drunk and and completely um, inebriated and passed out on the couch with the gun in her lap. And, yes, she owned the gun. So, you know, immediately Alex is saying, man, she looks guilty hands down. I mean, this is... This is a slam dunk for any prosecutor. And indeed, that's exactly how it went down. And indeed, Vivian does end up testifying against her sister. And, uh, you know, so all of these things come to light. But once Alexa gets a hold of that book, Meatballs and Mobsters, Mm-hmm. Written by the new proprietor of Hank's Sandwich Shop, a lot of other things come to light, including Trixie. That's where we find out a lot about Trixie. There's a huge aha moment with Trixie in that moment.
0: You can't tell anybody that. Now, the fun part was, how did you create the chapter headings in the book? Because they're so different. And some of them act like uh, meatballs and whatever, and some of them are really hilarious. How did you decide which ones to use and which ones in the past and in the present? Because that's original, too. Let's see. You know what? One is mobsters, and, um, and then we have... Meatballs and One's mobsters, mobsters and...
1: one's meatballs, and then there's one mobsters and meatballs. Yeah. Um, you know what? The, the chapter headings are hard. I'm telling you, Fran, some yeah. of those chapters sit for weeks with no heading because, you know, once you start doing that with a book series, you're married yeah. to it. You've got yeah. to, you know, it's 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 part of your brand. So, um, you know some of those chapters just sat without headings for you know a long time and some of them come to me right away oh i know exactly what i'm going to call this chapter you know um but um oh, the one is called cotton balls
0: mhm one, one of the too. chapters
1: is is called cotton balls because they dress bobby up like Vito corleone and and they uh-huh. stuff his mouth with cotton balls the poor man and then he ends uh-huh. up spitting one out in um Tino Bianchi's face. So That's
0: hilarious um,
1: too. <laughs> yeah. So and it sticks to the man's forehead and then just all heck breaks loose at that moment. Um but uh you know, you yeah, those 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 are hard to come up with. Those are really hard to come up with. So, <laughs> i think i had an easier time in back to the Bergs than i did with maxed out coming up with them but
0: uh and then it's of course just there's one you...
1: actually called max out
0: yeah the fruits are not me? original but a lot of people do what you did and the chapter makes nothing to the to the to the uh what what they write in the in the in the, in the script so I'm reading the chapters sometimes, and I go, like, at least this matches. The chapter title tells me what I'm going to, you know, read about or something. And sometimes I write chapter titles, and they go, huh? What does that have to do with anything? It, it gets yeah. vague. What yeah. can I say? So who is Freddie and his relationship with Maxie? She really gets around this one. Oh, yeah.
1: Freddie the wig. Um. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I got to share something with you about these these mobster names. Um, I love it. <laughs> did, did you know that there is a website? <laughs> I, you know, and you know what? Of- when you're a writer, uh, you can find you. Can, it's called Get Your Mobster Name, and oh, you course. put stuff in. It'll It'll give you mobster names, and um, one was something the wig. And I, it wasn't Freddie the Wig. It was just something the Wig and I. And I thought, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to use that. And, and but his name is actually Fred, Frederick Wig, and it's spelled mm-hmm. W-I-G-G. But of course, mobsters give everybody a name, right? They all do. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, he's called Freddie the Wig, and um, he is. Tino Bianchi, which is like the head of the Pittsburgh mob. Mm-hmm. Now, Tino, Tino Bianchi is not a real person, just to let you know, everybody out there. He is not a real person. And, uh, but he, uh, in my mind, is the head of the Pittsburgh mob. And um, he is like Tino Bianchi's right-hand man. And when you are told you have to kill somebody – to, do, to get it for a f- favor for Mr. Bianchi, Freddie Wig is the, the guy who makes sure that you have done the deed. And he goes along with you to make sure mm-hmm. you have done the deed. So um, he, we find out that he is, his fingers are very deep into these murders that are going on in Pittsburgh, including, you know, the ones that I'm talking about. So, uh, and then, of course, there's Tommy Tushy, who is the old guy at the Pleasurable Bar. And for the longest time, he's just called the old guy at the, at the bar. The old guy at the bar. But finally, Tino Bianchi says, oh, that's Tommy Tushy. And the reason his name was Tommy Tushy was because he liked women's tushies. The bigger, the better. So they called him Tommy Tushy. Um, Fast Fingers Eddie. You know, he used to be an accountant, so they call him Fast Finger of Eddie. Um, you know, the 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 mobster names were so fun. I, I had such a good time, and some of them I didn't even use that mobster site. I just made them up myself because I was just having such a good time with it. You know, so um, really? I like naming characters. I really enjoy naming characters.
0: That's the hardest part for me. That's why I oh, like for me it's so people easy. My characters are dead. People would have first letters of the na- of the alphabet of a letter of the alphabet as their names. Um, you know that was the hardest. That's the hardest part because I was creating these worlds. So I looked up you know pictures of what some of the weird worlds would look like. I put in strange mm-hmm. un- whatever world picture without some whatever, and then I just made it up. And nobody appreciated my brilliance. What can I say? Now I got as a matter of fact I had a whole bunch of five stars, a whole bunch of fours. And three people gave it two and one, but they never read the book. They just rated it for no reason.
1: So I just... Oh, that, that's that been it. happening a lot. Yeah.
0: Now, so lot I got a really
1: nasty... Re- yeah, I got a really nasty review on Back to the Berg and Beyond last, about two weeks ago. And the woman mm. gave it like two stars. And she was upset, brace yourself, because I put too much description in the book. I I did too much describing. And then she was upset. She didn't like Winnie because... Oh, uh, how could you not like Winnie? Yeah, everybody loves Winnie. All those Irish toasts she does and her little Irish wisdom. And she hated Winnie. And then she said she completely shut the book down the minute we started talking about St. Pete. Now, the problem with her entire review was, A, description is part of writing and reading. And if you don't like big descriptions, boy, you better not read a Dean Kuhn's book because that man describes everything. And secondly, if you didn't like the idea that St. Pete was involved, why did you read the book? Because he's mentioned in every single one of the synopsises. I don't hide the fact that I'm using Saint Pete in these books. It's not hidden. It's right there in the synopsis. So I, you, you know, know well, there were all, you know,
0: it's, sometimes people are just that way, you know. Well, you know what? It's funny. My first Faces Behind the Stone series that I ever wrote, and everybody mm-hmm. liked it. And this lady mm-hmm. said, "I put, I gave it two stars because I didn't finish reading it." I said, well, if you tried to finish reading it and understood it, then maybe you would have a more credible review. I, I just cracked up laughing. What an idiot. I mean, how yeah, stupid. That, She's like, un- I, I didn't understand what you wrote. I said, so that doesn't tell me very much of anything. I, I don't care. I know, this With this population zero, the two people said, they gave it four stars, why didn't you write, why didn't you look up the weather patterns? I said, because that's what it killed the story. I said, I wrote this from my imagination so that people – Living in my horrible worlds, might stop acting like fools in this one, and this is only going to get worse. So how does she describe Rod, and why does she care that he was killed and she was blamed? And what will happen if he solves the case, he has to still solve another one, doesn't he?
1: Well, that was the whole problem that both Bobby and Alexa had. Once again, uh, St. Pete's number one rule, protocol, whatever you want to call it, is that you cannot change events. This cannot yeah. go on. You cannot change events. And so that's what Bobby and Alexa couldn't figure out. If we solve Rod Krogan's murder and Bobby and Maxie is innocent of these charges, this mm-hmm. is going to be a domino effect because so many people, it will change people's lives. It will change Maxie's lives. It will change the course of someone's history. So how is this going to work? And um, so they're, they're very, very cautiously moving forward, trying to make sure that, you know, okay, she didn't murder him, but who did? And if, if they did murder him, you know, what difference will it make? Because we're not allowed to change that event. We can't say, well, this is who murdered him, and they're going to just let this woman out of jail, and everything changes. So as the story progresses and we find out what actually took place, it's like there is justification, but nothing changes, if you know what I'm saying. But you've read the book, so you understand what I mean. Everything is justified, and the reader gets a very, very satisfied ending, but nothing actually changes.
0: No, it doesn't. No, what no. cracks me up is that, which was really clever, is that she owns this uh, decorating place, whatever she does, and um, she's a, she, she's in the past, but she's also in the present. How did how did you do that? Right. And nobody realizes that that it's it's not her. That's just really scary. Right. Ex- except for poor Winnie.
1: Uh, yeah, I know. You poor know, Winnie's when, losing when... her mind. Yeah, she's like because she almost has to deal with this this. Substitute Alexa, and she's when Alexa leaves, another one just comes right back up. But this other one is, it doesn't have the same personality. She know, doesn't crazy. exactly, yeah, she doesn't exactly make very good decisions. In in Back to the Berg, she hires a um, seamstress who, not yeah. a seamstress, a sales girl, Stacia, who practically burns the place down. And then the second woman is so obnoxious. She's yelling yep. and screaming in the phone at her teenage daughters constantly. She's she's just hanging all over Holden, who is gay. He doesn't want anything to do with her, but she's just like, ah, ah, ah. He's just like, oh, my God, get away from me. And um, she's just causing terror in the shop while, while Alexa's, the real Alexa is in 1958, and the substitute Alexa. She goes about her business. She sews. She wakes on customers, and everything. Mm. But she's just not. She's almost zombie-like. Winnie
0: says. So I want, uh, him, all the, I want when, him to have his own chapter too. I like him. I love that guy. He. Don't worry. We'll be using him more. I'm just. You know. I'm
1: still at the beginning of this uh, series, and I haven't decided just exactly how many books. We'll see in the series. I've only I've only committed to three. I've only committed to three because there's only three murders.
0: Yeah. The problem is I've come up
1: I've come up with a fourth book in my head. I know it, and I will be writing that fourth book because it's just pushing me. You got to write the fourth book. Oh, this this one will be good. This one will be good. So I know for sure there will be four books in the Owl's Nest Mysteries.
0: Well, you could always do the murder at uh, the end of the at the end of the third book. You could just leave a murder unsolved or something like that, and let people know there's a fourth one. What can I say? That there's a fourth one coming. Yeah.
1: So, but uh, oh, I think you'll be really shocked at what happens at the end of this next book. Uh, you know that I, I have the end of the next book uh, planned, and mm-hmm. it will set up. It won't be a cliffhanger. I don't do cliffhangers in any of my books. And mm-hmm. back to the, uh, uh, Max Dall, I think, was my 24th book. I don't do cliffhangers, but it will set up book four.
0: Oh, it will great. set up book four
1: without a cliffhanger, without a cliffhanger.
0: So now before I forget, um, that, that mm-hmm. should be interesting. Now, before I forget, Wednesday, the author of... Until I find you, afraid we will be here. What would you do if you go and change your child's diaper and find out it's not your child? Somebody stole it and replaced it with someone else. Scary. On the 19th, psychotherapist Dennis Palumbo and I are going to tackle panic attacks and how to deal with them, treatments, cures, and what causes them. On the 23rd, Alan Jacobson will be here with the lost girl. I'm going to skip the 25th for just a minute, the 30th, a very famous French horn player through the door, and on the first, one and only, Brian Freeman with the new Jason Bourne book, The Bourne Treachery. On August 25th, I am going to be so, a little nervous, but excited, someone taught me how to look past, people say to me, how come you always get what the book is about, how come you always understand it like nobody else did? The person that taught me that is going to be on my broadcast on the 25th, Dr. George Cavuto, was my professor for my first master, second master's in reading. And he taught me a lot, and he also tortured me for 15 weeks because he said I was the smartest person in his class. So I am so excited because he agreed to come on my show two months ago, and he's excited about doing it. I found him on LinkedIn, believe it or not, and he remembered, remembered me. So scary. <laughs> So, that's what's coming up, and I am really honored that he's doing it. So, how does Alexa realize what really happened without saying what really happened? Well, <laughs> once again, once
1: she reads that book, a lot of things yeah. come to light for her, even though things are very, very subtly written in the book, and um, but they start coming to light for her, and... At the, toward the end, end of the book, she takes a huge leap. She sends Bobby, dressed as Vito Corleone, to deal with Tino Bianchi, who is a big part of this entire situation, and she sends him in that direction, and she and Maxie head in another direction to come head on with finding the truth. And when this happens, as you know, mm-hmm. things get maxed out. I and that, thing, that and, and I think that's the name of this chapter, Maxed Out. And yeah. things just become darn right explosive and horrifying. I mean, for a qu- cozy mystery, what happens at the end of this book is pretty frightening. And I had to be very careful on how mm-hmm. I wrote it because um, it's a cozy mystery. And cozy mysteries aren't supposed to be bloody. They're not supposed to be horrifying. They're not supposed to be supposed to be, you know, all these things. And so I had to write it extremely. I was walking on eggshells as I was writing those scenes because I didn't want to freak out the cozy mystery readers. And um, I'm finding myself in a little, just a little bit of that situation while I'm writing this Fiona Quinn book right now. Um, uh, Matrimony Mur- Mayhem, Matrimony Mayhem and Murder is uh, book ten of um, Fiona Quinn, which I'm hoping will come out in November. And I'm finding myself in the same situation with Fiona that I'm walking on eggshells with some of the things that I'm writing in that to make sure that I'm not crossing a line in the cozy mystery genre. And there are lines you should not cross. And I came very, very close to crossing that line in Maxed Out. Uh, do you agree? Yes,
0: yeah, not only that, wait till they read the last sentence in the book. That's all I will say about that. huh. That last, yeah. that last sentence yeah. says it all, let me tell you. But my right. favorite character besides Alexa and Winnie is poor Trixie. What happens to poor Trixie? Yeah. And, she, and, and she's very upset because she wants to keep him. She doesn't want to lose the dog. She likes the dog. The cat. Right. I mean. Well, she loves you know, the cat. Uh, I love the cat the too. The thing
1: of, yeah, of Garbo, oh. who was very, very dismissive of everyone. <laughs> you had to love Garbo. Uh, She was kind of like the silent movie uh, star, wasn't she? Um, she, They're they're ghost animals, which is actually a good thing for our character Mm -hmm. because our character is very, very allergic to animals, isn't she? And all of her life she wanted a cat. All of her life she wanted a little dog, but she couldn't have them because she is um, allergic. So it's almost like St. Pete is... Is saying, "Hey, look, you know, this 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 schmuck here needs your help taking care of these murders. So I'm going to dress you in the finest clothing, and I'm going to give you a pet, and a, a pet that doesn't make you sneeze, wheeze, or turn red." So uh, she kind of, she really liked Garbo, but she loved Trixie because Garbo, like yeah. I said, was so dismissive. But Trixie is just lovable and sweet. And, yeah, she feels bad to lose them, but I think the reader completely understands because they understand yeah. where that pet is going. So well, no, can I, I tell a, the audience going. the really um, unique thing about Bobby Star? Mm-hmm. Bobby Star has been married five times. Now, I don't know if you know anybody
0: like that. Do you know anybody who's been married five and six times? You don't want to know. Yes, I do. I, I was taught in, in my school for a long time, and one of the gym teachers was – I love him. So we're still friends, by the way, on Facebook, and he was married six times. And each, right. I had an one uncle was, who was married. Yeah, the second wife, I couldn't imagine why he divorced her because they're still friends. That's who had his son, and they're close, whatever and one of the teachers in my school passed away two months ago, and I created a memory book for everybody in the school. I just decided that people die, and then they forget who you are. They forget you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Jeff was the person that helped me the first year to let me know, you're going to survive because you're in charge. You may be five feet tall, but you've got a big enough mouth. Don't worry about it. You're going to handle it. So, yes, my friend Steve was married six times. What can I say?
1: Well, I had an I had an uncle, and he was a very, very handsome man, very much like Bobby Starr. I, I mean, I tell mm. you, I, I show you how handsome Bobby is, how women react to him and everything. Yeah,
0: you should have a and picture he, of him. And, and,
1: mm. Yeah, and my, my, his name was Uncle Uncle Dick, and he's mentioned in one of the Fiona books. Uh, Mombo and Murder, he's, he's mentioned. Anyway, um, and he was married six times. And my dad, who had a huge sense of humor, used to say, the problem with Dick in his wives where he didn't like anybody to be prettier than he was. That's, that, 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 <laughs> ha- that does happen. That does happen. And he, so his last wife, her name was Jean, and she wasn't unattractive. She was attractive, but she wasn't beautiful like all his other wives. So she worked. He was married to her for a very long time, and she was his last wife. That said, Bobby Starr was married five times. And three of his wives' names were Catherine, and so yep. Alexa and even even Maxie, even as she is realizes, oh my God, you're kind of like you know uh, Henry VIII. He he had three wives named Catherine, and and That's and right. Bobby gets very upset every time someone mentions this because he's like, wait a minute, I I was married. Five times, but I didn't kill anybody. I did not behead any of my wives. If it was the other way around, believe me, I would have been the one who was going to be beheaded. So, uh, but that's, that's the unique thing about him. He was married five times. Three of the wives' names were Catherine, and one is Catherine with a K. So we're going to be meeting Catherine with a K. Oh, no, we met her in this book, right? She's in. Mm-hmm. She's in Max Out. Yes. yes, but she will be in Double Dog Dare, and she will also be in the fourth book as well. So she and she is an opera singer. Catherine K. With a K is an opera singer. So that should be a lot of fun. So I'm looking is, forward to working. Me too. With her.
0: I'm looking forward to it also. So that's her next case. So I'm not going to ask what the murder is going to be. What is next for Fiona in that book? Who's getting killed? Anybody good?
1: Well, let me see. Uh, the next book, like I said, hopefully will come out in November with the situations here on my horse farm. I'm having a little hard time keeping up. Um, yeah. She, it's called Matrimony, Mayhem, and Murder. As we know, Fiona and uh, Nathan got married in uh, yeah. book eight a uh, bond voyage to murder, but they kept their marriage secret because they didn't want to upset her mother, Nancy, because she said, you yeah. know, she's going to want dad to walk me down the hour. She's going to want to have a big wedding. And, and Nathan promises her that this will all happen. We'll just keep everything on the down low. So in the the ninth book, taking notes on murder, I had to keep the whole thing on the down low. Um, but now in matrimony, mayhem and murder, we're we're planning this wedding. And anything that could go wrong is going wrong. Everything is exploding all around them. And uh, Chad, her brother Chad, who is so ornery, um, he is dating their wedding planner. And her, their wedding planner is named Kristen. And guess who ends up murdered?
0: I can imagine. Kristen. Kristen. Kristen, Kristen. Kristen ends up oh, murdered,
1: okay. and guess who ends up being suspect number one?
0: Chad. Oh, don't tell me So, now, oh, my God.
1: Yeah. Chad, of course. So poor Chad yeah. – yeah, poor Chad, who is an IT tech – And he just works in a cubicle in an office and and stays away from trouble as much as possible. The only trouble he loves to get into is driving his sister insane, as we have seen. Um, And uh, now he's dating this girl, and she ends up dead. And you know who else we meet in uh, Book 10 is Rita Landry. We talk about Rita Landry a lot throughout the series, But every time, you know, Nathan says, don't you want to meet my mother? And she says, yes, I want to meet your mother. Oh, well, you know, she's in China or she's in, you know, Afghanistan or she's in Germany or wherever. She's always somewhere. And so this I've kept this character as a mysterious character. Why is Rita Landry always Mm -hmm. in another country? What is up with Rita Landry? So we're going to meet Rita Landry, and I guarantee you she is going to knock your socks off. And everything that happens around her is going to knock your socks off, and it's going to also
0: involve Queen Victoria. That's even better. I love Queen Victoria. But I'm worried about her reaction, reaction to Fiona. Now, she better like Fiona. Oh, Rita? Well, she's going to answer to oh, me. Oh, she's going to who, – who doesn't
1: – oh, everybody loves Fiona. Rita's going to love Fiona. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of – there's going to be – this, this book is going to have a lot of moving parts. So when you pick this book up, you're going to have to really pay
0: attention because it's got a lot of moving parts in this one. You know I'm going to say, I have no problem. You know I'm going to have no problem with that. <laughs> you just have to give me oh, warning no. as to when it's going to come out because basically I'm booked until the end of November. I can't believe this. It's like I really <laughs> do. And I've got three in February already or four, and I've got two in April. I, I'm getting it's oh, like wow. mind-boggling. And with this stupid pandemic that doesn't want to leave, who knows what else I'm going to have. So before we close, um, the, one, the one question I have to add is how do you determine the cover for your book, and then where can we find out more about you and your work? But the cover to this one is perfect. How do you come up with a cover that um, says it all?
1: You know what? I, I, just, I, just, I just search and search and search for vectors that I really like. And then I sent, when I find them and the perfect background and the pet. you know, you have to, if you've noticed, take a look at your book. You have to look for Trixie on that cover. She's there, but you have to look I for her. And I on the see them. O- and on the other book, you had to look for Garbo. She's there, you know. but you got to look for her. And I, I kind of like, I kind of like play, um, uh, oh, what's that, Find Waldo with the pets? is what I do, but um, I, I just, and then I hand them off to my um, cover designer who uh, makes sure they all look, if you notice, with Fiona Quinn and the Owl's Nest, mm-hmm. they're all very, very um, like each other. They're not exactly like each other, but you can tell a Fiona Quinn when you see it, and you can tell an Owl's Nest when you see it. They, they um, you know, they look alike. They, it's a brand. It's a brand. I want the red dress. Um, you so can. I want the red dress. Oh yeah, I always the change redress.
0: the. The dress in the in the window. I love that dress. Well, I'm little. That that would fit me. No problem. Yeah, I love it. It's yeah. beautiful.
1: Um, I you can find me on my website at www.csmcdonaldbooks.com. Hey, listen. Go to the about page and you can sign up for my newsletter and oh, nice. I will be sending newsletters out. My newsletters are great. They have recipes. They have, Ooh, uh, good. of course they tell you a little bit about the books, but I, I don't push my books on it. You know, they're there, but they're, they don't get pushed. I always have a giveaway and there's always some sort of funny personal story that something that's happened on the horse farm, something that happened to one of my grandchildren, uh, like last month I told you about Jamison and the fact that he was going to have 20 children when he gets married. So, um, you know, there's always a funny story. The the, the the newsletters are a lot of fun. Please sign up for it.
0: Well, before I forget, too, yesterday my niece, Danny Nicole, turned 25. I promised I would wish her happy birthday because it's a thing we do. Right? They hate when I do it, but I love anyway. Danny is a nurse in a plasma hospital in Florida, and she's just been promoted, and they're looking to promote her to a man- to a, a manager, um, assistant manager, because they think that she's brilliant, and she is. She's very smart. So she's a she's a mm-hmm. nurse, and yesterday she turned 25. So happy birthday, Danny Nicole, and your aunt is very proud of you. She's amazing, <laughs> and we went we went through we like went to medical school together. Yes, I did help. But Cindy, this has been fun. Thank you so very much. Everybody, it's a beautiful day outside. Just let me know uh, when the book is coming out, so that if you need an interview, I need I could schedule it when I when I can, because I don't want to you know turn okay. down the book and say I can't do it because basically I could do interviews in November, December, and January at this point. So just let me know before. Give me a heads up. Everybody, one small ask: when you go outside, please wear a mask and be safe, because this isn't going anywhere. Everybody, have a great day. And bye. Bye Bye-bye.